Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Welcome, friends, to another great episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day, and I sat down this week with Jim Martin from International Justice Mission. Jim serves as the Vice President of Spiritual Formation at IJM, and he is passionate about equipping pastors and local churches to embrace biblical justice. He is the author of The Just Church, which provides practical strategies to help every church respond tangibly to God's call to seek justice. Now, on this week's episode, Jim and I discuss how justice is tied to disciple-making in the local church. Jim speaks into the discussion many churches are having around social justice issues, and he provides a framework that every church can adopt. We also touch on some of the beautiful surprises that churches experience as they step into God's call to seek justice, as well as tangible ideas that you can put into practice in your church and your community. So let's dive right into my conversation with Jim Martin. Jim, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. So excited that you could join us today, and I'm very excited about uh, the topic that we're going to be diving into. So first of all, just welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jason. It's a a privilege to be here. Yeah. Now, you have a very, uh, what I think, and I'm I'm sure listeners would think as well, it seems to be a very exciting role in ministry, and that is you serve at International Justice Mission. Uh, you're a VP there, and your focus is really on mobilizing churches to to really understand and engage in justice issues. And um, I, I imagine that must be pretty fascinating. I'm sure you have tons of stories, and we could spend a few days talking through them. Um, but I'm just excited to have you with us because, really, there are a lot of a lot of things going on in our world, and we hear about it, we we see it online. More and more and more, just because you know information is is so readily available. But justice issues uh, here in our own country, um, we're, we're recording, talking here in the U.S., but a, around the world, and we know as, as pastors, as ministry leaders, we we tend to um, have heavy hearts in regard to a lot of those justice issues. Yeah. Um, but but you help churches really kind of step a little more deeply into what some of these issues might 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 be and I, th- I think a great place for us to kind of start a conversation Jim is you know a lot of pastors uh, attempt to raise awareness about justice issues um, mm-hmm. but but there there's something deeper for us to step into as, as local congregations um, awareness is important but there's sure. there's more there so can you talk to us a little bit about how all that kind of comes together, how, how you see that being most effective, kind of the, the awareness piece, and then, you know, what, what comes next? Sure. Uh, in terms of awareness, I would just say that uh, it, it is important. I think that sometimes we, we skip right over that. Um, but the reality is uh, awareness in and of itself uh, doesn't actually do anything. But until awareness has happened, nothing else is going to happen. And so just the idea of uh, church leaders listening to podcasts like this, reading books like The Just Church, which we'll talk about, um, this is a huge step forward because it makes people aware and sort of sensitizes them to what's actually going on out there in the world. So that is important. Beyond that, however, 
there's a deep dive to be taken. Uh, and I think people are often surprised by, uh, by how deep the dive can be, even if we just were to talk about the scriptures. So maybe we could, we could say, uh, maybe there's two conversations to have. One is about the push factors that Christians experience when they finally see the justice content in the scriptures, and then sort of the pull factors that they experience when they sign, when they finally see what's actually going on in the world and the kind of suffering that's happening because of injustice in the world. Yeah, I, I, Jim, I think I think that's powerful because oftentimes, and and we run into these conversations, and I I know that that IJM runs into these as well conversations, there tends to be some pushback to some degree in in some traditions um, against social justice. And, you know, sure. I, I've heard things like, uh, just focus on the gospel, don't worry about justice issues, <laughs> which right. um, there might be listeners today who are wrestling through that same thing. Can you talk to us a little bit about how justice issues tie into the beauty and you know, the fullness of the gospel. Yeah, I think that, um, first of all, maybe what we should say is it might be helpful for us to stop talking about social justice and start talking about biblical justice. Mm. Um, and I think there's a there, there can be appropriate pushback and reactions to, you know, the concept of so, social justice, which is often very wide, but not very deep. Right. Um, and then, uh, but, but when we do uh, start to look carefully at the scriptures and we start to read people like, uh, say, Old Testament scholar Christopher J.H. Wright, um, in his, uh, he, he was kind enough to write a forward to the book that I wrote called The Just Church, and in it, he basically said, there is no genre of biblical literature that does not deal with the concept of injustice. Mm. In fact, the Old Testament speaks to injustice more than it does to any other issue save idolatry. And so the reality is somehow many of us in our training and in our pastoral experience have actually missed this important content of the scriptures. So I would say we need to go back and take a good look at that, and we need to start talking more and more about biblical justice. Yeah, I love that. I love the biblical justice. I love that terminology because that really helps us stay rooted, um, not in just what— um, what might be happening in the news or what might be kind of almost trendy in a way. Sometimes we, we bump into those types of things, but it helps sure. us stay rooted in, in Scripture. And the reality is, um, as pastors, as ministry leaders, whenever we have people, and, and oftentimes, um, honestly, it, it tends to be, at least here in the U.S., that a lot of the pushback is blurred lines um, around political ideologies. I mean, if we're just to be honest, you know, so there's right, there's sure. some of that pushback. So it allows, I think, us as pastors, as churches, to stay rooted in Scripture, focused on, as you said, biblical justice, um, and help people see that this isn't, you know, a political issue, this isn't just, you know, a cultural issue, but this right. is a heart issue for, yeah. for God and his people, right? Yeah, and if you look at very, very simple things, I mean, we could look at uh, the, the book of Isaiah, we could look at the beginning of the book of Isaiah, and we could find Isaiah 117, where the, the prophet says to the people of God, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Now, we can do some uh, sort of theological gymnastics and turn that into some kind of abstraction, mm -hmm. or we can just read it right, right. and say, oh my goodness, God. God is calling us to reflect this aspect of God's character, this, this aspect of justice. I mean, he's the God 
whose the foundation of whose throne is righteousness and justice, according to Psalm 89, right? So this is an issue of our discipleship. It's how we mirror part of the imaging of God as the church and as individual believers. Yeah, yeah. Let's dive into that a little more in regard to discipleship, because that's um, really kind of what seems to me to be the major theme that comes out of your book, The Just Church, and that is that the issues of justice tie very, very directly to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And rather than kind of separating those two, if we as the church can draw those together biblically, um, it seems that uh, there's, there's a lot there for us to dig into as we are seeking to lead people. Um, on their discipleship journey as we are seeking to grow in Christ as well. So can you talk to us a little bit about how how, how justice, um, really in a local church setting perhaps we can talk about that, how, how does that tie into, you know, a, di- a discipleship journey with Jesus? Yeah, this is actually why uh, I went through the work of writing the book. I, uh, I, was, I had been in ministry for something like 18 years before coming to IJM, and then uh, the last 10 of those were at a church plant uh, in Silicon Valley here in the U.S., and um, I my role at the church plant was essentially I was the, the mercy and justice pastor uh, on this, this team of pastors at this rather sizable church plant. Um, and then I came to IJM to, to build partnerships with churches because the church that I had come from was very deeply partnered with IJM. And I was in a Christian bookstore one day, and uh, I realized that as as the issue of justice was becoming more and more popular and people were talking more about it, I realized, oh, any day now I'm going to walk into some Christian bookstore and I'm going to see a book on the shelf that's going to that, that's have the words justice and church in the title. And my realization was, and I'm going to be disappointed, actually, because it's not going to say what it needs to say. Mm. It's going to talk about justice as uh, something that good Christians should do because people are suffering in the world. And that's certainly part of the truth, uh, but the deeper truth is that we engage in justice because we're mirroring this the, the, tr- the truth about the God of justice that we serve, who shaped and formed us and is transforming us uh, to be this, this church that is light in the darkness. So uh, the first half of the book is uh, is all kinds of uh, is coming at that question from all kinds of different angles. How are the the issues of justice and our discipleship inextricably linked from one another. So, you know, we're talking pretty deeply about scripture in the first half of the book. Um, we're going pretty deeply into places like Isaiah 58 and some other the some of the other uh, classic sort of biblical justice passages in the Old Testament. And then we're also talking about this uh, this issue of the the challenge of. Um, what challenging mission does to shape us as disciples? Uh, and this to me as a, as a pastor, some of the more interesting uh, or the, the really interesting stuff is that um, what, what challenging mission does for us is it makes us hungry and thirsty for the spiritual disciplines that we've been trying to discipline ourselves to engage in, right? Mm-hmm. So my experience has been that the people that are working hard in the ministry of justice are some of the most prayerful people that I know mm. because they they deeply desire and need to connect with God about what is so wrong with the world and about what is challenging about what they've been called into. I love that. I love how the, the idea of um, if we're going to be on a journey with Jesus, if we're going to be taking those next steps, which every single one of us has next steps on that journey, that that um, idea of, of 
understanding biblical justice and engaging in biblical justice is right in line with walking in the footsteps of, of Jesus. And yeah. I, I think that's that's powerful. One of the things that you talk about is you talk about these justice learning communities um, to get really practical. Like I'm thinking about pastors right now as they're listening in. What what do these justice learning communities, you know, what do you mean by that? What does that look like? How does that kind of come about um, in a local setting? Yeah, sure. So the first half of the book is all this sort of raw material on how do we actually become people who are who are sensitive to this idea of biblical justice within the scriptures. And then in the second half of the book, uh, it really comes from iJam's experience of 20 years of walking with churches um, to help them find traction in this issue, both locally and internationally. And it's broken down into what is a, a fairly simple process. We want to we want to have a, sort of a three-phase process. The first step is an encounter. We want to have an encounter with the God of justice in the scriptures and in the world. We want to we want to see the scriptures for what they the, the content that they really convey. And then we want to see the world clearly for what's really going on. So we want to have this this encounter pretty deeply in our churches. And then we want to explore what the possibilities are for our own church um, and how, how it is that we perhaps uniquely might be able to engage locally in our community or in the, in the ways that we are already missionally engaged uh, further away are the ways that we can expand into some justice work there. And then we want to discern what the possibilities are and then actually take the step of engagement. So we, we lay out this process that, that goes encounter, explore, and then engage. And the justice learning community really is the core people in the church that are coming together to do the essential work. Um, that that's going to be required for the church to, to go through this process. Now, that may be some of the people that are on staff at the church. It may be some key volunteers. Usually it's a mixture of both. Uh, I was just talking with a pastor in New York City last uh, last weekend, uh, and he was saying he had read the book, and one of the, one of the specific pieces of material in there for this justice learning community is something we call the justice assessment tool. And it's a, it's a separate download for free from the book that you can, it's a 60 page document that will help you do a thorough justice assessment on your community, the community around your, your church, what's already going on there. How do you find that out? How do you partner with uh, what's already happening? How do you meet with political, uh, with the political arm in your, in your city, in your town to figure out what their needs and desires are, are, are around some of these, these uh, justice issues and how does the church come in to serve and not to be the expert um, and not sort of charge into the space that people have already been working in and have been sort of wondering why the church isn't there, you know, and to all of a sudden appear in a, in a, in a way that's less than helpful. So it's full of tons of resources like that intended exactly uh, to do what you exactly you said to practically help the church engage in the places that are going to be most helpful. That's good, Jim. Oftentimes, I think in our in our churches, we see that there's some people that um, get really maybe excited about justice issues, um, and then there are others that do not. Sure. In, in your experience in, in working um, not only in your role in a pastoral ministry, but now as you've been, you know, working with churches all across the country with IJM and, and helping equip and mobilize them. What has been your experience? Do you see that that more people get more engaged in justice issues, or is it you know you go with the goers as a pastor? You know, what I mean, those who are yeah, involved, sure. or like, do, is there like development of this over time that you you see happening in churches, or 
I, I'm just trying to help pastors kind of think through as they reflect on their context, you know, what this mm-hmm. what this might look like and, and, and develop into. Yeah, sure. So uh, we have some specific things and suggestions that we can that we can make uh, along the way as well. But uh, to answer that very good question, I would say, my goodness, yeah, there are going to be early adopters that are going to rise as soon as you as soon as you start doing this sort of encounter process, uh, and maybe you preach a sermon about justice from the pulpit that actually engages some local and international issues, people are very going to, are very naturally going to surface. Um, And those are great people to begin with. But what happens is this wonderful blossoming as the, as the justice sort of team forms in the church, you're going to find what you need actually is a whole bunch of skills. Um, And many of them will be people that, that didn't realize that they were interested in the issue. They might not be the first people to come forward. Um, but you're going to need people that are, that are just well organized and know how to run projects within the, within the church and they can help sort of set the team up and put them on a good set of tracks that are going to help them get through the material they need to get through. You're going to need people that are good at being out in the community and, and interviewing practitioners that are already there and building bridges. Uh, and often those people, uh, are the other sort of second wave to surface and they're coming to the issue, not necessarily because they're already passionate about biblical justice. But they're coming because they see a place where they can serve or they're coming because they might have been passionate about the issue, but they didn't see anything they could do. And the idea of engaging was overwhelming to them because they had no idea that 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 anything meaningful could be done. So it was easier just to sort of leave the whole thing aside. Uh, But once we create an actual pathway with concrete steps that people can take, then more and more people surface. And sometimes it's, it's quite surprising who it is that surfaces. When it comes to, um, you know, people within the church, people are already engaged in the church on some level, you know, like you said, kind of rising to the occasion as, as, as they're, hearts are kind of attuned and aligned with, with God in the midst of this as, as these things are happening within the church as the encounter piece and then inviting people into the, the explore piece. Um, do, do you also find that um, churches who embrace um, biblical justice um, to a greater degree, uh, do they also connect more readily with people who are not connected to a, to a local church? I mean, is this not only an opportunity for discipleship, but also an opportunity to kind of build some bridges and make some connections with people in the community that wouldn't naturally maybe walk through the church's doors initially? Yeah, the answer to that is absolutely. And I would say probably in absolutely in three categories. One of them is going to be the people that just are disillusioned with the church um, and either, you know, never really came, never got involved in a church or or had some involvement and just didn't find it satisfying because the church wasn't engaged in the issues that were most meaningful to them. Uh, and so the, the gateway or the bridge to a relationship with God um, never quite formed because they, they, uh, they just never saw the church interested in the things that mattered most to them. And so to hear the church talk, talking about um, local issues of justice, to hear the, the church talking about human trafficking and modern day slavery, uh, especially for a younger generation, is a bridge that is very, very accessible. So that would be one uh, one category of people. The second category of people is, uh, man, I would say all of our churches have people in them who haven't come forward to volunteer because they haven't heard a call that has 
has made sense to them. Mm-hmm. So if you have police officers in your congregation, no matter how many times you announce that you need help in the nursery, they're not likely going to come forward, right? right, right. Their, their skill set is just different. My uh, I, This came home to me so profoundly in our own church in, in Silicon Valley here in the U.S. when uh, when I was up at one, uh, one Sunday, I was preaching about our connection with IJM and some work that we were doing in Latin America, taking, we were taking a team to Peru um, and dealing with uh, unprosecuted sexual assault of children. And we needed some expertise. We needed a few different things. And I was telling the story of a recent trip and getting ready for the next trip. And after the service, this woman approached me that I had never seen before. Um, and I, I, I knew most of the people in the church, at least on site. And so I asked her if she was new. And she said, no, I've been coming for for several years now. But I haven't gotten very involved because I'm a, um, I'm a trauma therapist. And I have a, a huge caseload with the county of uh, at-risk children is my caseload and my expertise. I, I do play therapy with traumatized children, all these different things. Uh, and I just haven't had the the emotional bandwidth to get involved in the church, but I heard what you were talking about this morning and I want to get involved in that. Mm-hmm. And this woman's name is May. Uh, it turns out um, she's Filipino American. She speaks three dialects of Philippine languages. She's an experienced trauma therapist. She goes to Peru with us. Uh, she falls in love with IJM and the work that IJM is doing. IJM instantly starts trying to poach her Um, successfully hires her onto uh, what was then one of the main projects we were working on, which was a a anti-sex trafficking project in Cebu in the Philippines. And she becomes part of a team that successfully reduces uh, the victimization of minors in the second largest metropolitan area in the Philippines by 79%. She became the aftercare director. I didn't even know she existed. Oh, yeah. Um, and so once we start talking about justice, she comes forward and she gets involved and, and it turns into this outlet for her that she never could have imagined for herself. Um, and then IJM gets this great benefit. Uh, so she started working for IJM long before I did. Um, but I would say, yeah, people do come out of the woodwork, both uh, people that are that are becoming interested in church because of. I would say because they're seeing the church reflect this uh, this beautiful aspect of the character of God, um, and then even people in the church that haven't yet come forward to to sort of fully invest their time and their talent. Yeah, that's a powerful story. Love love that, Jim. Let's uh, dig into something that's uh, maybe a little more controversial, and that is that um, there, there are many instances where. People who are outside the church um, are looking at um, maybe specific things that some church leaders have said um, or some churches have done, perhaps, that look the opposite of justice or compassion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we help uh, navigate that? Because that's that's becoming a, a very real issue in many of the mm-hmm. conversations I'm having across the country here in the U.S., with people who are not connected to churches in who, and and they've even said this to me, that they feel that outside of the church, that they are approaching justice issues more like Jesus than a lot of churches do. And that's hard to hear, right? So, and I, I know there's great work going on. I know what IJM is doing, many other organizations and churches that are, you know, working alongside of, of these organizations and churches just in and of themselves within their own communities. So there are many great, great stories. And I, I don't want to kind of be dismissive of those, but there is, um, 
a bit of this dialogue and, and this pushback against the church. Um, and mm-hmm. I, th- I think of, you know, issues like immigration issues, for example, that's been a, a, a hot topic here in the U.S. for, for many years now, and where churches fall on that and, and the ideas of justice within that and those types. So how, help us as, as pastors and ministry leaders, how do we navigate some of those conversations? And, you know, what, what do you recommend from, from your experiences in churches that you've been working with who've been effective in that? Yeah, that's such a great and an important question. Um, I, I think also, you know, we could include in that so much in, in so many of our churches across a, across a wide spectrum, uh, you know, the problem of sexual abuse within the church that is emerging right. as well. Right. Exactly. So, um, so I would say I'm, I'm trying to remember this quote and I'm, I'm apologize cause I'm going to murder it, but it's a, it's an Edmund Burke quote, um, to the effect, uh, uh, of this, do not speak because your actions are so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. Hmm. Um, and I, I would say to the church that that's really the challenge that we have entered into what some people call the culture wars by trying to yell loud enough over our actions. Um, and, and it just makes this horrible cacophony and nobody's hearing anything. So my, my, um, Man, my plea to church leaders would be to say, find traction and take action. And and that is what is going to speak louder than anything else. Um, and it's challenging, right? Um, we're you, you know we're not we're not going to agree on the right approach to all of these issues, but let's find issues that that have complete moral clarity, and then let's take action on those things. Um, and, and let's love people the way Jesus called us to love people with action, with word and with deed, um, and then see what people will say. Amen. That's good. That's a good word. Jim, if you were to, um, which I imagine you and your team does, sit down with a, a pastor, a local congregation, and the pastor says, man, I really have a heart for biblical justice. You know, I feel the Spirit of God moving just in, in, within me and my own um, time of prayer and reflection and those types of things. My church has not historically been engaged. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend? That, you know, like what are the first, you know, maybe one, two, three steps? And I know you walk through some some of this pretty clearly yeah. in the just church, but can you help help listeners kind of think through like what were some of the first things that a pastor who finds himself or herself in that situation might, you know, where might they begin? Yeah, another great question. So we we created a, a program called Freedom Sunday precisely to answer that question. So three years ago, we invited several churches to take the first step on this journey by hosting a Sunday in September where they would talk about the biblical call to justice and and talk about the the, the issue of modern day slavery. Uh, it's hard and challenging to talk about, so we created a ton of resources from sample sermons to AV uh, resources to videos to things that, that they could use in the service. Um, how to integrate worship into that, uh, materials for children's ministry, everything that we could think of that we would want if we were in their position. And three years ago, we had several hundred churches that joined us and and took that courageous step. Last year, we had 18,000 churches all over the world uh, in 50 countries that took that step with us. So I would say 
those that that's an excellent beginning place that those train tracks are already set up the resources are there they're renewed every year uh, and our team here at IJM will walk you through it we'll we'll actually help you along the way uh, and it's a, sort of a proven a proven way to jump in um, I would also say, uh, you know, the book, The Just Church, it's it's a good read. It's helpful, I, though I say it myself. Um, we wrote it as uh, it, one of the ways to talk about like what it is, is uh, to say it's the first 10 conversations that we'd want to have over, co- over coffee with any pastor. Um, and so it's a helpful place to begin. It sort of helps you sort through that the, that sort of fire in the belly urgency that you need to do something right now and helps you just take that first step back, take a deep breath and to consider what is, um, what is a disciplined, meaningful action going to look like for us to take? That, that's helpful. And, and I'm just, I'll just jump in Chip, and say a couple things. One freedom Sunday, I think is absolutely phenomenal. You know, I had the opportunity to, to talk with uh, Gary about that and other people from your team. Um, Great. last year I was super excited to see how, how it, how it just you know took off um super exciting stuff so so um i i would really encourage those who are listening and we'll have in in the show notes um we'll have links to uh freedom sunday and so people can get more information on that and that really is as you said it seems to be a great kind of launching point where where pastors and churches can you know kind of yeah, begin the the exploration or you know the encounter actually stage probably and and getting people um you know, just uh, more aware and something very, very practical. But then also um, the book, The Just Church, uh, that, that you've written. One of the things that, that I really appreciate about the book was not only did you provide a lot of solid, foundational, biblical, what I would say, you know, something that would be very, very difficult for someone else to argue against. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, you've got you've got some very solid things um, up front that I think is just hugely helpful uh, to us as pastors. But then, as you mentioned, kind of just going through the practical pieces, I mean, you have questions, you know, reflection questions to kind of dig in more deeply. You have, you know, tables with different resources. You have, you know, the the links to, uh, like you said, the assessment, all these different resources, very practical pieces. So I, I think a very powerful and helpful resource that if there's anyone who is listening and finds himself in, in, in this place, as you did at one point, Jim, as a pastor yourself, yeah, right. um, you basically wrote the resource, created the resource that you were looking for which I absolutely love. So encourage people. We'll have links for the, the Just Church book as well in there. What would you say, you've got the ears of, of pastors and ministry leaders right now listening. What would you say, maybe something we haven't touched upon, but but something that you'd like to leave with with them in regard to um, this whole idea of, of living out and, you know, becoming and living as the Just Church? Here's, here's the thing. I think here's the surprise. Um, we as pastors spend so much time working hard to prepare good, rich, healthy food for people. It's like the, the centerpiece of what we do. Every week we work hard to carefully prepare these delicious meals. And sometimes it can feel like people just aren't all that hungry, that they're just sort of picking away at things, right? right. In my role at IJM, the, the, the joy of being in the role that I've been in at IJM and being able to provide some sort of support for our teams in the field uh, has been a, that it sort of feels like cooking for a swim team. Like people devour <laughs> whatever it is that you can put in front of them, right? Right. And so I think the the huge surprise about this um, 
this invitation into the work of biblical justice is that uh, people people engage, and when they're in with both feet, they get really hungry. And so they're, they're coming back to places of prayer, they're coming back to places of study, they're coming back to meaningful places of worship and community because they have this deep desire and need to be fed and filled. And so I think that is just uh, the, the huge surprise that so many people have found on this journey. And I think it, it actually shouldn't be all that surprising, right? Because the, the, um, the whole chapter 58 of Isaiah that we mentioned earlier, it's set up as this huge series of if-then statements, right? If, if you will, um, you know, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo yokes of oppression, to let the oppressed go free? And then what follows that is all of these if then statements. If you will do that, then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your gloom shall be like the noonday sun. You shall ride upon the heights of the earth. It's just this beautiful picture. You, sh- you shall call for help and the Lord will say, here I am, right? It's all of the things that we most deeply desire in these places of, um, of intimacy with God. And what God is saying is, I want to give you those things. And, and really all I want, all, all, the, the way to get them is to engage in this call that I've issued, to engage in this call to biblical justice, to, to undo the yokes of oppression, to let the oppressed go free. And then I will be here. I will be available to you. So I think these these are the surprises. I think people expect to have to kind of grit their teeth and get down to all this hard work, and they expect that it's going to be maybe controversial and difficult and all that. And I think what most people fa- have found is that there are these places of real moral clarity that are not controversial, that you can step into pretty directly and pretty clearly, and that what happens for people is that they really come to life in a way that is really remarkable to look to see. That's beautiful. Beautiful, Jim. Love that. Super encouraging. I'm sure that pastors listening in are, are encouraged and inspired. And again, we'll have links in the show notes to to get more information. Jim, if someone wants to reach out to you, maybe connect with you uh, in, in some way, how, how might they do that? Uh, they can reach out to uh, the connection inbox um, at IJM. You can tweet at me at okay. IJM. J-I-M-M-A-R-T-I-N. That's Jim Martin with an I in front of it. It's sort of a clever play on the I-J-M um, acronym. See what I did there? Yeah, I see uh, that. So well done. Put, a, put an I in front of Jim Martin, and that's my Twitter handle. Uh, and the, uh, you can also reach out to me directly via email. So jmartin at ijm.org. Excellent, brother. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on Church Leaders Podcast. We certainly uh, appreciate uh, your insight, and we're praying for all the pastors and ministry leaders that are listening in as they are um, seeking how the Spirit is leading them and guiding them to really engage in these justice issues in their communities and in our world. So thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Fantastic. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Jason. Thanks so much. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. 
You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.